the second panel of the day, where we will speak about regulation and Mika. This is the sixth Fin Week in Bratislava, and it's only possible thanks to our partners. Our main partners is the Ministry of Finance of, Slovak, of the Slovak Republic, the National Bank of Slovakia, Visa, Binance, Blick, and 365 Bank. We have our supporters, Porto, Griff, Slovak Credit Bureau, and Fumbi. An expert guarantee from Finas, Fintech InsureTech Association of Slovakia, making this conference possible. It's my pleasure to introduce our panel members. We have here from left, Lynn McConnell, Director of Compliance at Binance. Then we have Roman. Shanduga, Head of EU Banking Agenda Unit, Ministry of Finance of the Slovak Republic. And Daniel Djuric, Financial Technology Innovation Department, National Bank of Slovakia. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself deeper, you can do that the first time you get the microphone. And online I have Rock Schweltz, Legal Officer at European Commission. It's a pleasure to have you online. <laughs> and... Natalia Michalova of Council, Prosper of Pavlovich Advocates, the Councillor is also online. It's great to have you online as well. So, we're going to speak about regulation. We all know that cryptocurrency is something new. Most of us do not know much about the regulation or these processes. Uh, cryptocurrency regulate and maybe it's not regulated enough or too regulated or regulated wrong. We hope to get answers to all these questions today during this panel. I know it's very ambitious, but we have lots of clever people on the panel, so I'm sure this is going to work really well. And then we can start with the topics. Mika. What does Mika mean? That's a very basic question. We start with that one. Who would like to start with Mika? Just to explain the basic framework of Mika. Why not, Daniel? Hello. Not sure whether it's working. Oh, perfect. Thank you very much. So Mika, it's a new proposal for regulation. It's acronym for marketing crypto assets, and it should be new EU-wide regulation and comprehensive regulation of crypto assets and provision <coughs> of crypto asset services. So this is the basic facts and it's in legislative process and it should be applied in next few years. Thank you. We will continue with um, how are the crypto asset regulation going in different countries? Are there any like um, general framework that is similar within EU, outside EU, the UK, and US? I will give that question to Lynn, since she's working in the private industry here and may have a great vested interest in similarity in regulation. Thank you, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, great, thank you very much. Um, as you know, in the UK, they have um, regulation for crypto assets, which is under the money laundering regulation specifically in the UK. So that's one example of how regulation can be organized. A uh, number of countries, uh, including France, 
also has regulation from both the money laundering regulator and the markets regulator. So money laundering is a key aspect of looking at regulation for crypto assets. Um, there are uh, other countries such as Lithuania, for example, that have their FIU, which obviously is very interested in money laundering, um, as their primary regulator. So um, you have um, markets regulators, money laundering regulators uh, that are focused on developing the framework for crypto assets. Um, if you look at other countries outside the EU, such as, for example, uh, Bahrain, uh, they have more of a combined prudential conduct and anti-money laundering approach. So you have uh, countries around the world that are trying to develop their frameworks and not all of them are focused just on one aspect of regulation. Some of them are interested in the prudential, the capital requirements for VASPs, uh, also um, operational risk, resilience, and certainly cybersecurity are all topics that regulators are focused on. Thank you. Uh, I would like to go over to Rock immediately first. You will get... Okay, sorry. You can get the word first then. Yeah, I think... <coughs> can thank you. Uh, so, as you mentioned, I'm from the Ministry of the Finance. So yes. We should somehow regulate financial market. So, maybe I just would like to, at the beginning, say that uh, we are doing at the Ministry a lot of things. As you mentioned, I'm from the financial market section of the Ministry of the Finance, banking department. So we, uh, so, so uh, we are <clears throat> doing a lot of things. So starting with banking, then uh, g going through the uh, kind of sanctions, AML, then also follows and sustainable and also digital finance. So it means that uh, these uh, broad tasks are covered uh, by the Minister of the Finance. Uh, there is few people of us, so we are try, try to somehow cover everything. It's not an easy task, especially in the uh, crypto crypto world. Uh, that's why we also created in 2018 because we saw that uh, the crypto crypto uh, market and the crypto world is emerging and is uh, getting more and more popular, and it uh, can have huge consequences also on the financial markets. So that's why we, at that time, in 2018, created a Center for Financial Innovation uh, as a platform where. Uh, where we can discuss all, all these all these initiatives, not only the crypto but all other in banking, uh, open banking and so on and so on, and try to reflect in the, it in uh, national regulation. In this regard, I will, would also like to say that we are uh, closely cooperating with also market participants, but also with National Bank of Slovakia, uh, because we see that this uh, is going to be. Huge, uh, huge market in the future, and it seeps more and more into the traditional financial market and traditional financial uh, products and services. So that's why this is important. So I just would like to say this: that we are trying to follow it really closely. But uh, I would say that the market is still a few steps before us because we are still trying to cover something that is already in place and it's not really easy task to do it. So all the times we are approached by market participants to change something because the definition is not really good in, in the in the Slovak law or that there are new new uh, products and new, new activities mm -hmm. on the market, especially in crypto. We could saw that ICO, STO, airdrops, uh, Stack, stack, staking and also NFTs, uh, DeFi is a new, new trend right now. So we are trying to do with this and also we are to, uh, trying to somehow 
cover this and try to reflect the national re uh, legislation. It's not easy task, but, but do, doing, doing uh, our best. Very interesting. Now we can get an overview of the regulation within the European Union, since we have Rock representing the European Commission here. I'm very interested to hear what the European Commission is doing in the legacy framework and the Mika framework to have at least a similar legislation within the European Union. Thank you very much uh, for inviting me. Uh, just let me start by following up on your questions, what we have currently in the European Union. So we have some elements of AML legislation. Uh, there, is, there is some regulation just for a few crypto asset services, so for custody and, and uh, exchange from fiat to crypto. Uh, and then um, what we also have is what we need to bear in mind is that uh, crypto assets can also qualify as financial instruments or e-money tokens. So there is already legislation in place uh, that covers parts of the crypto space, and they are densely regulated by existing financial services legislation. Um, and then we have national frameworks um, that have been developed by some member states. Uh, and here in this place comes MICA. So what MICA will actually do, uh, it will regulate uh, unre currently unregulated crypto assets, those there are some just elements of uh, AML regulation there. It will not touch upon crypto assets that are already regulated. So financial instruments like derivatives, um, uh, equities and so on won't be, won't be concerned by the MICA, there will be direct exclusion. So it regulates the space that is currently unregulated. And the purpose of the MICA is actually to to, to promote innovation because what we do is actually provide legal certainty uh, to market operators. They will know what the legal framework is, what are the requirements. Uh, it's also important by having a kind of EU regulation that will apply across the European Union. It will enable market operators to scale up their activities across the European Union. They will just need to register um, in one member state. They will get the passwords and they will be able to operate across the whole European Union. And finally, there will be also some legitimacy to the sector given by having regulation in this space. But on the other hand, what is important is that we address the risks arising from these uh, new types of assets. There are numerous risks and new risks uh, that, that are similar to those to financial instruments, but there are also new risks that are arising from that. And these are the risks to consumer protection. So there needs to be robust rules on consumer protection, market integrity. We have provisions on market abuse. Um, then um, financial stability, because uh, if um, the project become too big, they may endanger uh, financial stability. And also we should prevent that this could uh, negatively interact with monetary policy. So these are also, on the one hand, you have promotion of innovation. You, you, you give, um, you know, you enable innovation, but on the other hand, you need to address the legitimate risk. And this is what Mika actually does. Uh, and um, here, let me just stress that what we are regulating by Mika, we are regulating issuers of crypto assets. Uh, issuers, so it's uh, initial coin offerings of crypto assets, and then also uh, crypto asset service providers. These are two, uh, two types of entities that will be regulated. On issuers, we then differentiate what kind of assets they are, crypto assets they are issuing. If they are issuing 
uh, stable, so-called stable coins, uh, stable tokens that refer just to one official currency. They are called e-money tokens. If we they issue crypto assets uh, that is packed to a basket of different assets, they can be commodities, they can be different other crypto assets or even official currencies. We call them asset reference tokens. And then we put in the third basket all other crypto assets that are not covered by existing uh, financial services legislation and are not so-called e-money tokens and asset reference tokens. And then we regulate differently this kind, these types of issuers. For general crypto assets, like you know, those that are highly volatile, you have uh, uh, thousands of them, um, there are more, um, more light touch requirements. It's mostly about transparency and disclosure. Uh, so they need to produce uh, issuers uh, or offerers uh, of such crypto as they need to produce a white paper so that the, the, the consumer or the holder will be informed about, uh, about the characteristic of such assets. There are also some, uh, um, some other um, consumer protection requirements uh, for those uh, issuers. And then you have more robust provisions for stable coins uh, because they raise new risks uh, because they can be very, very um, kind of... Uh, very big projects, they may uh, raise issues in terms of monetary policy uh, because they can be also used as a means of exchange. Uh, so here for the, uh, for the stable coins, we have more robust requirements, so it, they need to be authorized. So there is a kind of license that is given to them. Um, then what they need to do there, there are some capital requirements on them. So they need to have pro their prudential capital requirements. Of course, uh, pro consumer protection requirements as well. Um, and then what is also important is that we require them to hold a reserve of assets, fully backed reserve of assets uh, um, that back the liabilities because there is always, when you have this kind of stable coins, redemption rights to the holder so they can come back and redeem uh, these tokens from the issuer so they need to be fully backed by the reserve of assets. So this is kind of regulation that we are having for issuers and for crypto asset service providers we distinguish between a number of crypto asset services. Um, they can be uh, exchanges, uh, uh, exchange platforms, uh, custody, so the wallets, um, also execution of orders, uh, advice on crypto assets and so on. There is a number of crypto asset services, which is much broader what was before we regulated only two, but now we have the whole, uh, um, the whole, um, the whole range of different services that, that we actually borrowed what is on the market and what is actually also regulated by similar legislation for financial instruments. And for those, we have also prudential requirements, own fund requirements, governance requirements, um, and uh, something what we are having also in other pieces of financial services legislation. And then finally, we have provisions on market abuse, uh, which are, um, which are uh, also important because we know that there are issues in terms of market integrity in this market. So uh, we also wanted to address these issues. Thank you. This may be, uh, maybe this is for the start that I don't want to be You're too long. You're still talking, but, if, uh, but I can't hear you now. Okay, no, I'm just saying that uh, if um, I can still follow up on some issues if uh, necessary. But I, we just have, we will start. follow up on many of these issues, I hope. Yes. I just hope to invite Natalia into the conversation as well first. But I do have one little quick question here. Uh, stable coin, is that regulated as asset or as currency? Because it could the aspects of both, if you know what I mean. We... we we always avoid using the term of 
uh, uh, currencies in this pact because they, you, ha you have three characteristics of the currencies and most of these assets, they don't have these characteristics. So we call them assets, crypto assets as such. We okay. don't call them cryptocurrencies. We call them crypto assets, and, uh, and that's it. Because uh, it's we think okay. that cryptocurrency is a bit of misnomer for for this kind of asset. So in that case, we continue with the regulation here regarding uh, stable coins, cryptocurrencies, or crypto assets, as we prefer to call it, uh, because some of them, I would think, uh, stable coins have characteristics of currency. You can pay with them and so on and in a different way, especially what we talked about in the previous panel, central banked cryptocurrency. But that might be off the topic here for Mika, obviously. So who would like to continue with the Mika framework and the current uh, legacy process and timeline, Daniel? That is where we can continue with the legacy process and timeline for Mika. Okay, so the first proposal of Mika was in September 2020. It was proposed by commission. Then we had council mandate, I think it was like November 2021. And then parliament mandate, it was uh, March 2022. And then after that started so-called trialogues. So negotiation between these three uh, parties and some kind of political agreement has been reached end of June. And now there are technical negotiations to finalize the text. So hopefully we will get the uh, publication in official journal until end of the year. Maybe Rock can confirm or, or uh, explain better what are, what are the expectations currently. And then after that, uh, there will be, uh, after publication in official journal, there will be 12 months period. And after this period, the provisions regarding stablecoin will be applied and an 18-month period for all other provisions. So okay. we're talking about 2024. This is probably the year where most provision will be... Will be so it's happening pretty much now in real time? Yes. Yeah, so it's not this thing that's going to happen in five years or in ten years. Oh. It's really happening now. So let's bring Rock back here, because I think he will have some very interesting comments on the timeline and implementation. Yeah, just on timeline, uh, thank you very much. It, uh, it was already, you know, general framework was set. Uh, just to, to, to make it more precise that we are finalizing now technical trilogues. So we expect, because there still needs to be a kind of legal scrubbing process, there needs to be adoption by the parliament, by the council, that it's go going to be published in spring next year, likely. This is because it takes quite some time before publication and uh, once the trilogues are finished. Uh, and then uh, once it will be published, it will enter into, into, into force, but the application will be later in time. Now we have uh, 18 months of a uh, kind of transitional period for um, stable, so-called stable coins or backed um, crypto assets. Uh, it will be a little bit earlier, so we are envisaging 12 months. So full application, as it was said, it's at the end of um, it's uh, autumn 2024. Autumn 24, yes. And I will go back here to Daniel and Roman. Uh, what will be the impact of Mika in the EU on the Slovak cryptocurrency or crypto asset market, I should say, to not use the misnomer again? So, uh, current situation in Slovakia is that there are some 
some kind of regulation regarding anti-money laundering. There are some regulation regarding tax treatment of crypto asset, but there is no comprehensive regulation. And this will be changed by Mika. So after Mika is applied, the providers of crypto asset services will need to get license or regulatory approval from supervisory authority, most likely National Bank of Slovakia. And as was already mentioned by Rock, this license will also have passporting. So it means that all these Slovak businesses that will get license in Slovakia can provide their services freely in whole European Union. And also uh, crypto asset service providers from other member states can provide their services freely in Slovakia. So, but currently there is not, uh, not such uh, requirement. Therefore, the only thing that crypto asset service provider need right now to provide services in Slovakia is so-called trade license. And it's very easy to get, it's quite formal process and therefore we have over 400 crypto asset service providers registered in Slovakia. So most likely after this regulation there will be less crypto asset service providers. 400, how many are actually active? This is a good question. We don't know. Nobody knows. Yes, because there is no comprehensive regulation, no prudential regulation, so this will be changed. And also, as was already mentioned, uh, we hope that this uh, regulation will help to tackle the problem with frauds and scams. There is a lot of frauds and scams in Slovakia, not just in Slovakia, no. in the EU, uh, related to crypto assets. And uh, one last thing is uh, more transparency. Because, uh, as was already mentioned, uh, the issuers of crypto assets often disclose the information about their crypto assets in so-called white papers. But the quality of white papers varies a lot, so now we will have uniform standards and uh, clear disclosure requirements. Interesting, because this with fraud is really important, because it ruins people's life, they lose their savings. I mean, I've been called up by these fraudsters myself on my phone sometimes. Usually somebody sounding like a London banker talking with a southern English as accent saying they're having such a fantastic investment scheme. And I say, like, uh, I'm a professor in finance, and they usually hang up on me. And I don't take unsolicited advice over the telephone. But this happens all the time. And, we have a, and some of them works as pyramid schemes as well. I don't remember the name of the big famous one that costed the world billions. I'm from Sweden, and one of the persons behind this is Swedish. That's probably the only reason I know about it. So here, the regulation of issuance is clearly crucial to make this market transparent and functional. And that means that authorities will be able to crack down on companies and people selling non-regulated currency, or assets, sorry, now I said currency again here. But this leads me into LIN, Virtual Asset Service Providers, VASPs and the regulation and registration that will be a part of this framework clearly to avoid fake crypto assets and so on. Uh, you emailed me and said you had some issues that you wanted to bring up regarding VASPs here. Just to say that um, the criteria set out in the bill are fairly clear. Uh, they also tried to align the terminology uh, between uh, the FATF 40 recommendations and the uh, Mika bill, so that the terminology at least could be common. So the definition of VASP in one and CASP, crypto asset service provider, in another, could at least be aligned. Uh, so the money laundering regulations could also uh, align uh, appropriately. So that was a positive move, and I think some of the authorities felt that way. Um, so that, that was a good thing. 
Um, they've defined the services that VASP will be offering and custodians, as well as exchanges. So that also promotes clarity. One of the things that we're all looking for in this marketplace is a promotion of clarity. Uh, all the regulations can be set out. <clears throat> all the time frames can be set out. Um, both um, the requirements for those participants that will be inside the EU, as well as any outside companies that may choose to enter the EU and offer their services. All of that is addressed, at least at a high level, inside the regulation. But I'd, I'd like to go back to your comment about scams just a few minutes ago, if you'll let me skip to another topic. Please, please go ahead. Um, the, the area that I, I feel is very interesting is where consumers are on the internet and they are actually encountering um, someone that is uh, promoting themselves as a crypto asset or Bitcoin advisor on some of the major social media. That is the area where I feel we have some of the greatest risk. And we have so many consumers who are uh, not sophisticated in terms of cybersecurity, in terms of their own financial um, uh, general education. So they are uh, believe that they can simply be, they can be talked into handing over their, their life savings in some cases. So um, we have at Binance, uh, you know, a number of different departments that are trying to work on things like this, not just in our Binance Academy and the educational component, but also um, our departments that deal with investigations and law enforcement. So we try to work very closely and have a high-quality um, program to assist wherever we can, both, uh, for example, in the UK, the National uh, Fraud Database, Action Fraud, is uh, very well supported, um, working with all of the various criminal um, law enforcement agencies like the National Crime Agency or uh, TRACFIN, where we're reporting in, in France. Um, and so I think it's very important to let everybody know that the exchanges are making, <coughs> all the exchanges are making efforts to communicate in this that's important, and I know the Slovak Central Bank keeps a list, a blacklist of companies you shouldn't deal with as well, and so on. Uh, please, Roman, want to comment here as I well. just uh, would like to say that uh, we, as a Minister of the Finance, really wel welcome this proposal, because it makes the legislative framework more clear, and uh, I would say that it's, it's changing the status quo. So maybe it's better for the companies or better for us, but also, on the other hand, it creates uh, new ch challenges for for Minister of the Finance, for National Bank of Slovakia. Uh, I can al already agree what uh, what was said by Daniel and Lynn, that uh, we should focus, as a ministry, on one hand, on the financial stability, because as uh, this crypto is getting more and more famous and it's really uh, used in uh, in some traditional uh, some traditional uh, services and so on and so on. And uh, also we have to bear in mind the consumer protection. Also, uh, the next challenge, uh, as Lynn said, is financial literacy, because there are lots of companies, uh, not the proper one, maybe that one that would like to use the hype around the crypto, would like to misuse the people, to, to misuse the, the knowledge about the crypto. And so this poses, I think, a lots of challenges for us. and. And really, really a lot of work to be done from our side. Yes. And uh, we see it all the time, advertisements in social media that are obvious frauds.
Can social media be regulated so they will not have these advertisements where basically you're trying to sell fraud to people? Can that be regulated as well? Maybe just one short comment. I don't think that we will be able to actually regulate social media in this post, but this regulation can help that all the consumers can find the list of approved businesses. So mm -hmm. they know, okay, this is a business that is approved by National Bank of Slovakia or by any other supervisory authority. Mm -hmm. I know this is honest business. So this is another important part of regulation that there will be clear list of approved businesses which have uh, license. So this is one thing. And the second thing, like practical experience, we get a lot of uh, complaints from people that they were uh, victims of frauds. But there is very little we can do about it right now. We can forward it to police, but that's about it. Because currently, National Bank of Slovakia is not responsible for supervision of crypto assets. This is important to, to mention. That is important. Lynn wants to say something here. I just wanted to add that um, there are regulators that have scam reporting on their uh, regulatory websites. So you can actually uh, go to a section and type in the fake scam name and report it, and they will then put it onto a list, and you can go on and find not only the register of authorized firms, but a full list of pages and pages of the fake names that have been put up in your particular jurisdiction. So they do that uh, very well at the uh, FCA currently, and uh, they have you know five, six, ten pages of all the recent scam names. So you can find the scam names if you're looking for them in many different uh, regulators. Very good. And then I suppose the banking system can help out as well to make it more difficult to transfer monetary assets to the fraudsters. Because there I think the banking system has done very little in the last 20 years, to be honest. Well, they're not regulated to do it, but they haven't self-regulated it. So more could be done there possibly as well. What would you say from the central bank, Daniel, or Rock from the commission? We can start with Daniel and then Rock, please. Maybe just for the banks, well, they have obligation related to anti-money laundering, so they have to cooperate. So it's not that it's just not up to self-regulation. There is a lot of regulation regarding uh, anti-money laundering. But yes, and uh, I would just um, uh, react to something that Lynn said. We also have a warning site where we publish warnings regarding some, not just crypto scams, but some scams. Any financial scam, yes. Financial I've seen it. It's... Very transparent. But yeah, this is definitely a good idea to have some kind of uh, possibility to uh, notify the regulators with scams, and it will probably be useful after Mika will be applied to have also this blacklist like FCA with uh, many, many different websites. Because the problem is that if we actually put some website on our warning site, they often change the website. Of course, of course. Never ending process. Rock. Regarding. Yeah, I would just agree about the transparency about, you know, authorized service providers that would be a kind of brand in the European Union where, you know, the consumers would be informed which are regulated, which are not. And also Mika, you know, force will, will, is, will be, it will be an issue that you will have a kind of a blacklist at the EU level as well. So it's not only on the member states level, but the whole, the whole European Union, because it is kind of transboundary activity or even global activity. So this is, uh, Mika will definitely contribute to that. But of course, you know, when it comes to the concrete cases of fraud, it's for the law enforcement to, 
to, to do it. We, we will contribute to this, but we won't solve any, everything with the, the regulation. Okay, Lynn. I just want to follow on from these comments to point out the VASPs, uh, CASPs, um, meaning virtual asset service providers and crypto asset service providers, um, have obligations under the money laundering regulations to report suspicious activity. So they're filing suspicious activity reports with their um, national uh, financial intelligence units in their own individual jurisdictions where they've been registered. So for in France, uh, Binance France would have an obligation to report a suspicious activity and file a SAR, as we say in, uh, in the financial crime community, and report to law enforcement. So law enforcement uh, in all these various jurisdictions is collecting a lot of information, and they then can take further action uh, under their own national laws to pursue uh, scam artists and other money laundering rings. Many of them are international money laundering rings, and some of them are very, very large. So uh, there's a lot of information that's collected. Uh, some of our law enforcement folks are connected uh, you know, through their communication networks to Europol and other international uh, law enforcement agencies that are uh, gathering information and hopefully uh, eventually pursuing all of these. So just to let you know that there is a system to report all of this. And I'll uh, turn it back over to you guys. OK, Daniel. Just uh, one short comment. Yes, uh, I mentioned there are over 400 uh, businesses, crypto asset service provider registered in Slovakia. They are all, all considered obliged entities. So they have this obligation regarding IML and they have to report all these suspicious mm -hmm. activities to financial intelligence units. So this is unified in, in EU. But there's also another challenge and this is challenge for financial intelligence unit and for police to actually be able to detect the frauds and to uh, check on blockchain what's going on because this is not something that they are used to. This is a new technology, so it's a big challenge. And there are some companies that are helping uh, authorities yes. detect the fraud and actually uh, look at the blockchain and where the transaction going. Seems like a job for the big four to a large extent. Well, there are specialized companies uh, which oh. specialize okay. on blockchain analytics. So. Okay. Uh, what's the risk of overregulating this market to slow down innovation? And Europe have too much regulation, end up behind, let's say China, United States, and the rest of the world, because the the regulation simply becomes too cumbersome to be quick to market with new products, new platforms. Anybody? Wants to jump on that one? To be honest, uh, <laughs> I have a question because uh, we, are, we are all the time approached by the market that we are overregulating the cash market and so on and so on. So it's not easy to task for us, but as, as I mentioned, as we have to face the financial stability issues, consumer protection, and so on. So, so we have to find the balance, and sometimes it's really hard to, to find that balance if you are. Uh, uh, if you see that there is a lot of scams on the market, so there, there have to be uh, some regulations, strict regulation. When we compare it to banking, so banking is de developing many, many hundreds of years and the regulation is getting uh, stronger, stricter. So I think uh, not in su such a way maybe, but 
uh, in similar way should, should go also in crypto. But the problem is that the crypto market is developing so fast and it's not, not so possible to really uh, to be flexible to change the law uh, as the market as the market evolves, so it's change for us. Okay, Lynn, can that be solved with good laws, broad laws, or not too specific legislation? Well, I wanted to respond to your comment about uh, limitations or things that might be overregulating, and the one example that comes to mind is something that was referenced in the earlier panel. Um, which is around the limitations on trading for stable coins in the EU because the outstanding um, trading volume for uh, Tether and some of the other large stable coins that are currently very actively used are uh, significantly larger than the EU limit. So currently that is something that Martin mentioned that the Commission may further uh, address. So that could be an example of over-regulating or extremely having, a, excuse me, a reaction to the Terra Luna, uh, you know. Protectionism in yeah, plain English. It's very much um, heading in, in that direction. Um, so I just wanted to mention that that could be considered an example of that. If you look at the United States, you have two very strong uh, government agencies, both of whom are looking the commodity uh, and exchange, uh, excuse me, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission and the SEC. Yes. Both of them are looking at potentially overlapping uh, interests in various uh, in regulating various uh, cryptocurrencies. So we have competing uh, interests, and in sometimes so that that also needs some clarity. And I think um, the uh, uh, President Biden has issued some executive orders, uh, and the White House is in the process of publishing papers to try and address that. So we'll see some more uh, clarity coming out of the U.S. in the next. Uh, six months to a year, I think. Interesting. I would just like to react to what Lynn yes. said. Yes, uh, and I want to rock after you, Daniel. Yes, okay. Please. Uh, regarding these e-money tokens denominated in other than official currency, uh, this is definitely a big problem. I think it's being addressed in these technical trilogues, in technical negotiations, so there shouldn't be limit for issuance of uh, e-money tokens referencing dollars for trading. So this is this is actually our position and hopefully it will be clarified. Maybe Rock can uh, then mention uh, something about it. And just one more uh, quick comment regarding regarding your question of possible overregulation. We think that uh, this proposal of Mika makes sense, but there are some areas where the current rules of Mika rules of Mika would not be applied properly, and this is decentralized finance and non-fungible tokens. And therefore, we were glad to hear that these two areas should not be directly covered by Mika. And why is that a good idea? Not covering it by Mika. Because uh, actually nobody in the world found the right solution how to regulate something which is decentralized. So uh -huh. we have real decentralized finance. It's very difficult to regulate and you cannot use the regulation for centralized crypto asset service providers to apply to decentralized finance. And also for non-fungible tokens, it's something different if they are truly non-fungible then you cannot apply rules that are uh, prepared for fungible tokens. So I see. It's a very good uh, approach to just let these non-fungible tokens and uh, DeFi for later and to find out the right balance, as Roman mentioned. Very good. Rock, I would like you to join us here and talk about over-regulation and the issue with the stable coins 
for transactions and the regulation in Europe? Yeah, so it's, um, it's always important to see what are the risks arising from certain assets. So that's, that's also the approach in the Mika. So where we have these uh, cryptocurrencies that everybody knows, uh, you know, that they are highly volatile. Um, you know, we have warnings for the ESA, please be careful uh, when investing. They are highly volatile. You may lose everything because there is no inherent value. So they are very lightly regulated. It's mostly about a bit of consumer protection, right of withdrawal, um, um, assets, uh, so crypto assets, white paper and marketing communication needs to be, uh, you know, drafted in a way that is correct, so that is not misleading. So these are kind of light touch approach. But when it comes to stable coins, uh, you know, just as, as a background, um, the trigger for Mika was actually, um, as the background was the Libra uh, project, when then the whole international community was grappling with the question, what about if this becomes uh, extremely big? Uh, it can have currency substitution effects, uh, effects on financial stability. So it was in the, in the international level, in the international fora, there have been recommendations written about that. So and we have taken inspiration from this international standard that have been developed, and developed in the G, G20 format. Uh, so this is important to note. And, the Mika, how it approaches, it approaches that we have the rules for stable coins, you have an authorization for issuers, but then when they are big projects under the certain criteria, they become significant stable coins. And then they need to meet additional obligations. So you, for example, higher own fund requirements from 2% of the reserve assets, they will go to 3%. Uh, then a remuneration policy, more liquidity uh, policy and so on. So we have this approach of about significant, and then also uh, the, the supervision will shift from the national combinat authorities to the, to, uh, to the European supervisors, to the European banking authority, for example, for arts completely, for e-money tokens, it will be partially to the European supervisory authorities because there is an interlink with, with the e-money directive. Uh, so this is the approach we have taken. And in addition, in the co-legislative procedure, there was a lot of concerns, you know, that these stable uh, coins, they could be used as a means of payment, so as a means of exchange. And that's why uh, in the co-decision procedure, there have been certain limitation introduced in this process. And this goes to the same for e-money tokens, uh, because uh, if they are denominated in foreign currency, they can have a similar uh, effects of uh, currency substitution. So uh, they are also treated in a similar way as arts when it comes to using them as a, as a means of payment. Uh, so this was um, a kind of a compromise that was reached in the decision procedure. Uh, and the aim is really that, uh, that they should not become widely used as a means of payments. Thank you. Uh, one follow-up question there. Stable coins seems to be perfect assets for shadow banking and this kind of activities as well. Is that something that Mika will address in the, in the future as well, or is it in the current framework? I don't know who is the best. Yes, Daniel will take this question. Well, it kind of addresses this because e-money tokens can be issued by banks yeah. and e-money institutions, and asset reference tokens can be issued by banks or as the issuers of asset reference tokens, which will be licensed according to Mika. So it's not really shadow banking if actually banks are issuing these uh, 
crypt, uh, stable coins. So uh, this is also very important to actually uh, bring uh, regulatory clarity for these stable coins because there was a lot of questions whether they are e-money or whether they are not e-money and what are the criteria and now the criteria will be clear. Okay, but if it's a non-bank institution issuing stable coin. E-money institution? Exactly. This Libra, as a good example. Yes, but they will be uh, they will be supervised, so it will be not like uh, something in the shadows. They will be supervised entity will, which will be issuing these stable coins. Okay. Lynn. Meaning they become an obliged entity and then will have the same types of anti-money laundering or other obligations, according to Mika. That seems reasonable. Uh, yes. In other words, you're putting them into a classification of an institution that has regulations fully applied to it. That seems reasonable. Yes, it does. And can Mika give Europe a competitive advantage when it comes to crypto assets in general? Can this be something, the regulation, that makes a stable, good, trusted marketplace to be more successful than than the less regulated world? Maybe I will try. <laughs> so, uh, when it uh, will be harmonized, so it can uh, create, uh, sufficient ground, ground for uh, development in the Europe. But the question is, what other third countries will react on it? What, what will be the influence uh, on the Europe, and so on and so on? So, there is st still a lot of question regarding this. But I, my personal view is that it can be good real ground for development in Europe. I completely agree. And Daniel? Maybe just uh, one short comment. Uh, Europe will be the first big jurisdiction to actually have clear rules regarding crypto. So I think this could be advantage because uh, big crypto companies can start in Europe uh, with uh, like being regulated. And also the MICA can be inspiration for other big jurisdictions like UK or US, which, are, which do not have comprehensive crypto assets regulation. So I also think this could be opportunity, but it is always about finding the balance. If this regulation turns out to be too harsh, then it could stifle innovation. So we will see in the next few years. I suppose different countries will implement MICA differently as well in the European Union, like with all other legislation. So there'll be some, what we call them, regulatory havens, as we always have in any European market currently. I guess with the same thing in cryptocurrency. I'll gently defer to my European colleagues here, but if I understand correctly, it's a regulation, so it's not supposed to allow for a lot of interpretive rules, I mean, room. Uh, and so if it's a regulation, it's going to be interpreted quite precisely and therefore applied uniformly across That is the, the idea, but yes. different central banks will interpret the regulation differently and, and so on. Uh, I also can fully agree that these regulations, so uh, all the member states should have the same treatment. But on the other, other hand, uh, as I mentioned, there is a lot of challenges, especially as regards uh, taxation and uh, other levies. So I think th this will maybe the key key driver for for the for the companies wh where they would like to be based. Yes, taxation will matter for sure. That's, that's probably more important than how the regulations will be implemented. I'm not going to speak about taxation. <laughs> 
not my, not my area of expertise. But I will say, in the very long run, um, how these supervisors, European supervisors, take up the task of enforcement, the market surveillance, and the EBA, and how they will regulate the stable coins of the significant stable coins as defined in the regulation, I think will be the real heart of the matter. If Europe is seen as having not only a stable framework, but consistent um, enforcement and market surveillance, I think it would be very successful in the long run. Good to hear. Rock, what do you think of the European Union being able to harmonize this throughout the member states and create this marketplace? Yes, it was already mentioned, so it's a regulation, so it's kind of not harmonization of the national, but it's unification because it will be directly applicable in all member states. And we, we always need to you know, uh, trust our, our member states and commandant authorities that they will, uh, um, they will implement them uh, diligently. Uh, so, and, and in addition to that, we also we will, we, we have EU supervisory authorities and in, in certain cases of significant stable coins, they will also take over the direct supervision, which is also important. So there will be a supervision at the European level. Um, and um, I would just agree with the previous speakers. So the implementation and enforcement is the key. But now it's a bit premature to look so, so far in advance. Now we are still at the stage of uh, policy design of finalization of the, uh, the trialogues and uh, entry into force of the MECA. Okay, Lynn, over to Binance. I mean, you're one of the biggest players in this market and one of the more stable players, I must say. And I would even say trusted players in this market. I suppose you're lobbying quite a lot in regards to legislation and development. So it fits uh, your business models and so on. Uh, is the European Commission and the legislator listening to you or are they, or are they running their own race? That's basically the question. Well, we've had the opportunity through some of the industry associations to be in dialogue. And also we have um, my colleague Martin Bronco here who has some very good dialogues with uh, a number of different um, officials, both at the EU and national uh, levels. So we have a government affairs department that also is involved in all these dialogues. So I myself in the compliance department don't engage uh, with that day to day. But yes, I do believe we have a very appropriate dialogues and have had good reception. Um, and we also have had our, our CEO, uh, CZ, who's had some um, publicity around some of his visits. Um, so I think we've had a good dialogue all around. That's great to hear because industry input is needed for good regulation, obviously. And uh, at the central bank, how do you see this with the input from the industry? We are trying to communicate with the industry. For example, we have Innovation Hub. And yep. the most inquiries in our Innovation Hub are related to crypto assets. Yep. And also we are uh, discussing via, for example, FinTech Association. Like yes, Finance, of course. Yes. Slovak FinTech Association. So we are cooperating with them. But in the end, the legislative process, we are participating together with Ministry of Finance and uh, permanent representation of Slovakia in EU. So we are participating in this process, but we are trying to hear what this market is saying. And therefore, we, for example, conducted a survey regarding consumer approaches to crypto assets. We have conducted survey regarding crypto asset service providers in Slovakia. So we try to listen to what market is saying. 
Very good. And at the Ministry of Finance. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we do have that uh, Center for Financial Innovation. Very good. Uh, the platform where we would like to, where the intention is to discuss with market participants all the issues they have and try to somehow solve solve maybe some burden, some uh, legislation, maybe, and so on and so on. So uh, we are trying to discuss, trying to what we trying what we can and also as it was mentioned to strike some kind of balance because the, sometimes the queries from the market participants are quite strict and high so really we we have to be that good policeman and try to really strike that balance on the market and to protect financial stability and, and uh, consumer protection. Lynn? I do just want to mention in passing that there is a concept of regulatory sandbox, which the uh, UK originally promulgated over five years ago. But they have now um, uh, partnered with some international regulators and are sharing data across regulatory sandboxes between the UK and Australia and several other jurisdictions. So they're trying to make um, the sharing of information around innovation um, much more rapid in the international regulatory community. So um, a regulator in Singapore can actually get some data from an innovative product sandbox project in the UK if there is a sharing arrangement between the regulators. Um, in a very unusual move recently, the Bank of England has set up a financial stability sandbox so that it can also do some innovation in its space as a central bank. Okay. So people are trying to use the sandbox concept innovation and share information and if you're a, a project a startup project in a regulatory sandbox you have a perimeter uh, for experimenting with your project that gives you a um, complete uh, free pass on any enforcement actions so you're able to experiment with your project without any regulatory risk that's the idea interesting Yes, I would just uh, mention that we have opened our own regulatory sandbox for January this year. So, and we are also cooperating with other authorities. There is possibility to have actually cross-border uh, participation in sandbox, cross-border testing. So uh, this is uh, inside Europe, inside European Union, but we are looking forward to international cooperation. So we are trying to be uh, cooperative and open to innovations. Very good. I learned a lot about international cooperation in this area. That's, that's very good to, good to hear because that's what I really think is needed. Countries can't pull this alone because we need a similar framework around the globe and the same regulation within the European Union, clearly. Uh, how does uh, regulation look like in the rest of the world? Anybody know any regulatory efforts uh, in similar ways as Mika that is moving along in the rest of the world that uh, can be interesting as a example for Europe or a bad example for Europe for that matter. How does it look like in the rest of the world? Because I have no idea. I mean, cryptocurrencies are worldwide, so countries must have regulated them somehow or completely ignored them. Uh, do you know anything about that rock by any chance? So I'm now more distracted with um, negotiations of Mika than with following these developments. But as far as I know that the international efforts are focusing uh, predominantly on 
stable coins, regulation of stable coins in other jurisdictions, whereas MICA, which is very important, is a comprehensive legal framework that not only covers uh, um, stable coins in terms of issuance, but also all other crypto assets that are that are on the market. So this is this is important to to uh, to let you know. And in addition, uh, the implementation is the key, but also international cooperation is the key. So we have a forum of the Financial Stability Board uh, and G20 where we are cooperating with our international partners uh, on the regulatory matters. And um, there have been recommendations on that and work is ongoing. Uh, on, on this matter. So this, uh, this is important. It's important that we have the framework uh, regionally, but it's also important that we have a kind of coherence and consistency across the globe on these regulatory matters. Very good. Thank you. Lynn. Just a brief mention that both uh, Singapore and Hong Kong have taken up um, regulatory approaches to crypto assets. Uh, again, focusing again um, primarily on um, anti-money laundering, but um, I, I can't really comment more on okay, that. Okay, so AML is the big issue here for most countries. Uh, now, we have an open discussion. I will not give any leading questions, so if anything you want to say more about Mika and regulation, then now is your chance, Roman. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know right now what to add. Ah, that's okay, that's okay. You don't have to add anything if there's anything that you were thinking of that you wanted to say and then have the chance to tell us, that's all. Uh, not for now, maybe I will. Okay, no problem. Same for Daniel here. Maybe just one thing, Roman mentioned taxation. The taxation Very good, now we're coming to something. And when we conducted these surveys, the market participant, crypto asset service provider, told us that this is one of the biggest free obstacles in Slovakia, taxation is one mm -hmm. of them. I believe so, that. Because taxation of crypto assets in Slovakia is uh, uh, stricter than or uh, not so competitive with other uh, countries in, in Europe. So this is a big issue and I know that market participants, also FinTech Association are uh, opening this issue with Ministry of Finance, with members of Parliament. So we will see. I think uh, the implementation of Mika will be uh, Good opportunity to <coughs> the tax treatment of crypto asset as well. Yep. Uh, now we can't forget a comment from the ministry here. Maybe to add to this. Uh, so we already have uh, on the radar the taxation. It means that we very informally started yesterday some discussion, informal discussion, what we can do, how we can do it. Uh, what could be the result, but uh, we are really at the beginning and uh, we just do not want the, to change the current framework. And uh, at the same time, I have to say that the ministry is not really well equipped, equipped with uh, experts on uh, crypto assets. So we need time to discuss it properly, to understand what's behind it. NFTs, non-fungible tokens, uh, decentralized finance. And uh, af afterwards, we can somehow maybe find solution how to improve or make less burdensome taxation in Slovakia. But for now, it's really preliminary to say something. But uh, I would just conclude it's in the focus on the Ministry of Finance. We would like to do something, as we already discussed with uh, FinTech Association, and other other 
companies in uh, fintech related to crypto. So we are trying to somehow cover it. Would it not work to treat crypto as exchange-traded equity, basically? Oh, it's really, really too, too early to say something. <laughs> okay. Lynn, please. I think you touched on a very important topic, which is the regulatory community doesn't have enough experts in this area. People who understand smart contracts, um, also uh, the law societies uh, need to be looking at the interpretation of the law relative to some of these technology developments, such as smart contracts. How will they be treated in a court of law so, uh, or in a lawsuit? So there are lots of different areas where expertise is needed and there aren't enough people that, that have this technology expertise in the regulatory community and in the legal community. So we need those, we need more education, more, uh, you know, uh, in business schools and in uh, uh, law schools, as well as uh, just training young people uh, generally about digital assets so that we can have a group of collaborators in this market who are all focused on the technology development that we all want to see happen. Okay, Daniel. Yes, I agree with Lynn. This will be also a big challenge for supervisory authorities once they become responsible for crypto assets they have to hire people who actually understand the technology behind crypto. At least some of them have to understand the technology. So this will be definitely a challenge, especially in small countries like Slovakia, where there is not such a, a lot of uh, experts in this, in this area. And just one more thing. Uh, uh, there was, uh, during this summer, activity called, it was called Action Plan for Digital Transformation of Slovakia. And one of the points that we, together with Ministry of Finance and FinTech Association, put there was to analyze the possibility to change the uh, laws in Slovakia with regard to smart contracts, with regard to DAOs, with regard to tokenization. So this will be also the area that uh, Ministry of Finance, uh, FinTech Association, National Bank of Slovakia will be looking at in the next few years. Okay, good. Rok, any... Anything else you want to add into the Mika regulation or crypto assets in general? So just, uh, yeah, so I would uh, fully agree that capacity building will be also very important in this, uh, in this sense. Just one f final word, just to, to draw your attention also that besides Mika, we have also proposed a pilot regime on trading and settlement um, you know, trading and settlement of financial instruments using distributed ledgers or blockchain. This is also important because it's a kind of send-like uh, proposal, so it will be a legal act at EU level that will promote the use of the, the distributed ledger technology uh, for trading and settlement of financial instruments, which are currently already regulated by the financial services legislation, which will actually enable to get some flexibility in application of the current rules to gain experience and to be able to inform policy developments in the future. So, and this uh, has already been published. It will enter into application uh, early next year. Uh, so it's something that I also wanted to stress because we talked about unregulated crypto assets, but we have also crypto assets that are already financial instruments. Interesting, very good. Any last comments on the our topic from any of the panelists? If not, I will give 
questions to the floor. My Slido app stopped working, so we're doing this old-fashioned way. I'm handing out the microphone. Any questions to the panelists? Hello. I would like to have maybe one basic question, if it's uh, finally uh, agreed who's going to implement and oversee or control subjects related to Mika in Slovakia. It will be NBS or it will be Ministry of Finance or, or who? It's my like basic question. Well, in Slovakia we have integrated supervisory authority, which is National Bank of Slovakia, so most likely the responsibility for supervision of crypto assets will be uh, responsibility of National Bank of Slovakia, but we will see after it's implemented, but this is like expectation. Okay, then, I have, then I have maybe one additional question, it's like not so funny one. Um, you mentioned during discussion that we have uh, roughly 400 subjects uh, which have trade license because it's very easy to have it. Mm, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, also the biggest ones, companies like Binance, for example, doesn't have it. And not only Binance, but Binance is uh, the easy to point to because it's the biggest. Uh, and they are providing the services here. So you are ready for control or all, all, the, all the work which just need, need to be done because uh, lots of uh, uh, platforms uh, also are like, you know, they don't have uh, permissions also for derivatives trading and they are doing it. And we didn't see any activity from NBS to stop it. So. Uh, it will be very, very like uh, huge pile amount of, of work to be done. So, what, what is the perspective? Maybe just uh, one short comment. Currently, we are not responsible for checking whether someone has trade license. This is this is a responsibility of trade license trade licensing office. And regarding other aspects, if there are some companies which are doing business without license and we get complaint, we will look at okay. the complaint, but it's not in public. Supervision is not something that is done in public, so we will definitely deal with any, any kind of complaints, but you mentioned specifically Binance, so I probably... Because it's the biggest one, so that's why. I don't want to, I didn't want to ask Mrs. Lin because okay. it's a very tough question. Anyway, I will comment there. Uh, companies like Binance and so on will, of course, use one or a few markets under the passporting rights to operate in those smaller markets. I don't see that Binance will be regulated by every single supervisory authority in every single European country they're operating to a large extent. That is a statement for Lynn, please. Uh, we currently are registered in three EU jurisdictions, France, Spain, and Italy. Yeah. With a registration as a crypto asset service provider. So uh, we would, uh, upon the final promulgation of Mika, yes. to be eligible to apply for a passporting arrangement under the Mika provisions. Exactly. Under the ESMA supervision. Exactly. And my understanding from the reading the bill is that you're able to register uh, your application, your, your applications under one national competent authority with ESMA, and within 90 days, ESMA has to respond, and that is the way you would then uh, take up a passporting arrangement within the EU to other EU jurisdictions. That's great. Be a one-stop shop for serious crypto platforms and so on. We have time for more questions. 
Thank you. It's not maybe directly related to Mika, but uh, it's, I think, a current issue. And it will definitely, in my opinion, require a regulatory uh, uh, opinion or, or, or some, some uh, uh, entry. Uh, it's pretty uh, currently, uh, Russian <coughs> agency Izvestia announced that, uh, according to Central Bank of Russia and Ministry of Finance of Russia, uh, Russia will accept Bitcoin and other uh, crypto assets as a mean of payment in international trade as of 2023, uh, which apparently uh, bears a huge risk of uh, sanction uh, violations, san sanction circumvention. Is it something uh, that uh, is currently being like evaluated and? and I believe this has, will have to be reflected in, in, in this uh, process, and maybe it can even speed up these regulatory efforts. Maybe just one short comment. If I understand it correctly, I think sanction also apply to crypto assets, also the, the sanction against, against Russia, and crypto asset service providers are obliged entities, so they cannot provide services to uh, sanctioned persons. So. I think this is kind of uh, covered, but yeah, definitely uh, the sanction uh, sanctions are ever going process. So we will see, and maybe there will be another form of sanction to deal with the issue that you described. I can only fully agree that uh, crypto is covered. So in case that the, these obliged entities will break the rules, so there will be somehow treated here also. It's their responsibility to avoid such, uh, such actions. So it's up to them in case the intelligence units or other competent authorities will find out that they just are breaking the rules, so it will have its consequences. Yeah, I mean, apparently, uh, for the sanctioned entities and for the crypto uh, service providers, uh, they are covered by, by ML legislation, but uh, still we already see uh, huge schemes uh, uh, through which, for instance, Russian oil is being uh, smuggled to European ports and uh, the payments for such schemes, uh, I think, inherently are easier to, to be maybe hidden in, in this uh, crypto sort of uh, flow of funds rather than through like this traditional banking. Just one short comment. Uh, the one of the consequences of blockchain is that you can actually analyze the transactions. So this will also be a challenge to actually analyze who is behind the transaction. And if there are some sanctions circumvention via cryptocurrency or via crypto assets, I think it will be covered maybe in next uh, sanctions. But I've, I do not, at least from my knowledge, I do not think that it is uh, that big issue right now, that there are other, other forms of avoiding sanctions and not just uh, with uh, crypto assets. Because one of the negative aspects of uh, volatility of crypto assets that is difficult to do trade with, for example, Bitcoin, if it can uh, decrease 20% in a week. So uh, this is, uh, and this is probably the main reason why there is not uh, more trade done with, with crypto assets. But if there is a way to avoid sanction without, with crypto assets, I think it will be covered in next sanctions if current sanctions are not satisfactory to do that. Thank you.
We have a question back here. Please. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> one, one of the widely uh, discussed and uh, quite controversial aspect of Mika uh, is uh, uh, that it does not allow uh, stable coins to bear interest. They should be interest uh, free. And uh, as we are entering the, uh, the time, uh, the period of quite high inflation in, in a lot of countries, there is a risk it will migrate actually uh, the interest uh, to other assets like uh, tokenized bank deposits and make uh, stable coins uncompetitive. If you could comment on that. Yeah, who wants to comment on that? Interest rate free stable coins are... Maybe Rock can then compliment me, but if I understand it correctly, this is the same for e-money. That you cannot actually grant interest to e-money because that's the difference between deposits, deposits in banks, which, which can grant interest, and between e-money and also the stable coins. So this is the reason because one of the type of e-money, one of the types of stable coin is e-money token. So I think it's for this reason to be aligned with other EU regulation. But yes, and uh, in addition to that. Uh, um, in addition to that, I would just say that borrowing and lending of crypto assets as such will not be regulated by Mika because this is not the service, it's not crypto asset service. Uh, so this is something which we will assess, uh, you know, in the review, but currently this will not be covered by the Mika. This is a service under uh, other pieces of legislation and national laws that is uh, regulated, but it will not be under the Mika just because of this scope that we touch upon issues that are not regulated currently, but which are regulated, um, you know, they, uh, they are regulated by the existing rules already. I would like to thank the panel, Lynn, Daniel, Roma and Rock for their great participation and discussion. And I don't know about you, but I learned a lot more about Mika and the regulation of crypto assets. And I find it very interesting. And I really believe that this can lead to an advantage for Europe to be first out with this, to have a stable regulatory framework that is transparent and easy for the participants to follow and gives a fair level of consumer protection. Thank you so much.